Welcome to the media ministry of Crossroads Church Aspen. To learn more about Crossroads, visit our website at ccaspen.com. We hope you enjoyed this message by Pastor Steve Woodrow. Welcome, everybody. Thanks for being here. Spring break for everybody up here. Um, so thank you all for being here. And all y'all that uh, just always encouraging um, to, uh, to see you all, the seasonal folks and visitors who make time to come and worship with the body while you're on vacation. Um, that is such a huge blessing. So I just want to just uh, recognize that. Um, we've been in the book of Revelation now for, uh, boy, quite a while, moving close to the end. We're vamping up here. So hang tight, gang. Don't, don't let this freak you out, blow you out. Uh, remember, it's the only book in the New Testament that comes with a unique blessing for those who read it and who obey it and who sink into it. Daniel gives this incredible promise. As the time comes to the end, knowledge will increase. There'll be a greater sense of prophetic outpouring upon the church to understand his word and to understand the end times. And so I, I just encourage you to not kind of run in fear, right, from uh, all this stuff, but embrace it. And uh, as always, we want to engage. So we've got lots of studies going on uh, tonight and others, but please connect and don't just kind of go off, uh, really connect with try, and we'll, we'll be glad to help get you connected. Connected just in community where you can talk this out in our own faith. The big questions, boy, we're all, I think we can say there's plenty to uh, be thinking about, right? Wrestling with in these times and on all kinds of levels, personal levels as well as big world levels. Well, we're going to be taking a big, big view um, this morning just about the world and the nations. And um, I'm going to throw a lot your way. I'm just going to encourage you. I'm going to talk about the origin of the nations. Um, this morning, going all the way back to the Old Testament, Deuteronomy 32, uh, I'm just going to scratch the surface. If you want more detail, you can come tonight. We'll dive a little bit into that. But also, previous in this series, um, I did uh, a message completely breaking that down in the Bible to understand the nations and the spiritual aspect of the kingdom of God. So it's all there. It's online if you want to kind of catch up or, or step into anywhere in this uh, study of Revelation. With that said, let me just pray for us. We're going to dive in this morning. Father, thank you for this morning. Um, thank you, Lord. Just thank you for the team here blessing us, Lord. Uh, it's great to see some old friends. And um, Lord, just see the body of Christ at work. Bless Derek and his family while they're off in Europe and enjoying that. And uh, Father, um, just I pray you give us ears to hear what your Spirit is saying this morning, Lord. Open our ears, Lord. And our hearts, Lord, to your word. Um, captivate us, Jesus. And uh, Lord, if anybody's watching um, online, if anybody's here, Lord, that is just unsure about you, Jesus, unsure where they're at with you, Lord, we just ask, Holy Spirit, that you would come overwhelm their hearts with your grace, your mercy, your forgiveness, your love. Um, God, it's about knowing you, Jesus. It's about your mission. It's about your incredible love, your mission that you put your church on to bring the good news of Jesus. Um, Lord, that saves us and ha- saves us into your eternal kingdom. Lord, um, overwhelm our hearts this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Let's dive in. Oh, let me step back. We're going to talk about this idea of wisdom and world news. So let me just jump in. How many people um, are just plugged into world news? How many people love and have a huge news feed, you know, um, and to just love being a part, we, we, the whole spectrum is interesting as I talk to people. Some people are just like, they have a thousand feeds, they just can't get enough of the news. Other people are like, I've had it, and I've just, I've checked out completely, I'm not tuning into anything. I think somewhere in between might be a healthy position on that whole thing. But um, we're, we're to be aware, we're not to run, kind of put our head in the hole. Um, there is a time to unplug, right, and to just focus, kind of go to the wilderness, the quiet place with God, for sure. But we're to be people with eyes open, um, but primarily uh, we're to be, have eyes open when it comes to the Word of God. And uh, so I would just, a couple weeks ago, I talked about this idea of a lens of the gospel. How do we look at things? And to make sure that it's, it's with a lens of the gospel, rather than most of us uh, have grown up really more than we realize with a political lens rather than a gospel lens. And uh, that gospel needs to 
uh, in the Bible needs to inform our politics, our view of the world, not the other way around. And uh, this is where we just have to watch ourselves to make sure that our news feeds and the media, as much as it hits us and flashes on our phone, you know, unfortunately, God's not flashing on your phone with news like, hey, check in with me, hey, check in with my word. Um, it would be nice if that was an app that just did that on a regular basis, boom, boom, you know, just to kind of fight off all the other news feeds, right? But, um, boy, the question I leave you with or I want us to wrestle with is, boy, what is informing my view of the world? And is it based in the truth of the Word of God, or am I just on this shaky, really uncertain ground? Uh, because there's a lot going on, and um, a lot shifting right in the world. And so um, let me just take us, as we think about this idea of wisdom, needing wisdom, the wisdom of God. You know, I, I just want to say, all through the Bible, God's promises, He will give His revelation to His people. Um, there's an amazing promise in Amos' uh, little prophetic book, prophet book in the Old Testament, Amos 3.7, and it says God does nothing He doesn't first reveal to His prophets. Now, take that, think about that. New Testament, Acts chapter 2, He's made us all prophets, right? He's made us all by the Holy Spirit, ones who can tune in and hear what God is doing. And that is to be what happens in the church, is to hear, bring a blessing just on an individual basis, as well even on a larger right basis. Um, never contrary to his word. His word is our guide, but right, to bring other insight into what God is doing. He wants to reveal to his people right, what is going on. Think of the New Testament. It was Agabus, who was a prophet, came to the church right, in Antioch, had a prophetic word about a famine for seven years. I think that was kind of helpful, wasn't it, for, for, for them, right? So that is available. And maybe you're here watching, and the idea of prophecy and the gifts is something, maybe it's like, whoa, that's not what I've grown up with. I just challenge and encourage you to press in and realize the Holy Spirit has given his gifts to his church, and they are going to be even more needed as the time gets close. Because what we see in the book of Revelation is the enemy is going to duplicate it. There's going to be an increase in supernatural acts, signs, wonders, and miracles. There's going to be an increase in cults and false prophets prophets and false religion and all kinds of crazy uh, paths and other things out there. And the only way the church can make a stand and still be a vibrant witness is if we do what we saw in the book of Acts. If we are the church empowered by the Holy Spirit to make a stand and preach the truth in the midst of this anti-truth, right, that is constantly, right, swirling around. Proverbs 1, uh, that, oh, that's wrong. It should be 7. I don't know where that 17 came from. Um, 1, 7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. And so it begins right here, wisdom and understanding. And this is across the board for everything in our life, begins with a heart that fears God. And um, we, I'm not going to water that word down. Right? It's a reverence. It's a deep reverence and an accountability, a submission to who God is. And really at the heart of the reason why so many do not embrace the book of Revelation or dive in and study, it's really not so much, oh, I just don't understand it's overwhelming. Ultimately, it comes down to an issue of fear and not understanding who God is and uh, our great security in Him, that He's called us to be His child, and we can rest in His arms. And that comes with this idea of incredible love, right, from God, but um, He's a consuming fire. We're to revere Him. There is a healthy sense of fear and adoration that should be modeled in the church and modeled um, in our life, and for sure in the book of Revelation, it's there. So, this next quote I'm going to put up there has been swirling around the internet this last week. Maybe some of you have seen it. So I thought, well, it kind of fits in. Well, it very much fits into what we'll be talking about today. And this is from Voltaire many, many years ago, and who was not a believer. But he made this comment, those who can make you believe absurdities can make you commit atrocities. Man, there's a lot to think about there, right? Those who can make you believe absurdities can make you commit atrocities. Wow. Now, I want to step back and explain this because, and, and, and try to address someone who's coming from a non-Christian um, perspective, right? And, and who, would, who would, again, how we interpret things is according to the filter, right, that we're looking at. So I want to give you the non-Christian filter right now, the secular filter of how they're going to take that quote and have been in our country and beyond, the, uh, the secular person is going to look like, oh, yes, absolutely, those who can make you believe the absurdities of believing in God. Those who can make you believe in the absurdities of religion, 
They will make you commit atrocities like crusades, slavery. I can go down the list of things, right? The church has been involved in it. And sadly, you know what? We have to say true. We have to say true that. But here's the catch. Is what has to be said is that's not Christianity. That's not Christianity. Right? It is, that is not Christianity. It is nowhere in the Bible do we ever see the sword was ever to be taken to advance the kingdom of God or Christianity. Jesus was clear on that. Put the sword away. You live by it, you'll die by it. Right? We have to be citizens involved, right? Um, but the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God that Jesus came to advance, advances by sharing and sacrificial sharing, being a witness, being willing to lay our lives down, even for our enemy, for the love of God. That's how the church advances. That's Christianity. And we'll see that in the whole book of Revelation, is as the nations gather together to war against God's king, coming kingdom and the, his children, is that, uh, the, as we'll see, is that the church is going to almost be wiped completely out before Christ returns. And... Um, Uh, It isn't uh, ever a call to arms. Now, let me step back, make sure I'm not misunderstood, is that we are citizens. And as citizens, we need to, there's a ton to pick up arms, right? To fight for our country, for just war. And that's a whole other topic we won't get into this morning, but um, of determining what is just war. But there's a time, right, and a place to bear arms. Yes, and there's Absolutely, as citizens, we need to be involved deeply in politics, deeply in legislation, deeply in all the things that are happening culturally. But as the church, the church should never, ever be harnessed for a political movement or any kind of movement that sees politics advancing the kingdom. Politics will never advance the kingdom of heaven. You can change all the laws in the land. You will not change hearts. Only the church's advancement, right, is the sharing of the good news of Christ in his coming kingdom, that we are citizens of a kingdom that is yet to come that will reign and rule over all the nations who will be judged by God. Does that make sense? Okay. The problem, we have to make sure that our priorities are not out of line as we get all this news feed, we try to ask for wisdom from God, right, is that our priority is on his kingdom come. That's the Lord's prayer. Lord, your kingdom come, please. That we're citizens of that kingdom and we're to bring the realities of that kingdom now into the church, right? Signs, wonders, miracles, the truth of God, being a healthy family of God and, and community that is an expression to the world, right, of, of a little taste of God's kingdom here. And the church is to be on mission, right, sharing the good news. And part of that mission is sacrificial love. It is laying our lives down in the midst of persecution, right, which Jesus promised. And as the end comes, there is not just going to be little spots like around the world today where Christians are persecuted, China, Middle East, right, um, Sudan, go down the list of things, right, where Christians are, are literally killed for their faith or ostracized. It will be a global effort as we're going to see in the book of Revelation. And uh, so that we just have to understand um, the understandings of it. Now, let me flip this quote. Right from a Christian perspective, what's happening in our country? Right, if they can make you believe absurdities, if they can make you believe things that are against science, against common sense, they will be able to make you commit atrocities. And the only way down the line that that the nations will rally and be able to get people to right to uh, eliminate Christians, right, is that they are have thought and have adopted absurdities that contradict the creation plan of God, right? So that now it's the next move is no problem. We've got to get rid of those crazy people. And uh, folks, I would just, but uh, again, we'll get more into this next week as we get deeply into who Babylon is, what Babylon represents throughout history and even today, is um, we take a look at what's happening just in our own nation, right? And uh, we're a nation, right, that has experienced the incredible blessings of God. There's no question about it. I think like no other nation, right? But there is no such thing as a Christian nation. Just want to put that out there. There's only one Christian nation, and that's the kingdom of God that's coming yet. Every nation, and I'll get into this in a minute, where the nations came from and how they, um, <clears throat> who's got control of them ultimately, 
But what's sad in our, our country is you see this very quick shift taking place, right, towards absurdities, towards a rejection of God's clear, truthful, scientific even, um, uh, created order of, of what makes a healthy society on and on and on, right? And, um, and you see these things taking place, shifting big time, right? The news feed, right, that is going. You see the polarizing, right, going on in our nation, the social things. I mean, we could talk forever on that, right? I'm going to just go up on, on a big scale and talk about kind of um, where all that's going. So let me um, take us to the next one. The good news, this is John 8, 31 through 32. And Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Now, I've seen all around the world, you can go to our capital, you can go to some of the main old universities in America, they all have the last part of that, you shall know the truth, the truth is free, on, in, etched in stone, right, around the world. Um, but you will not find the whole verse, you'll only find the last part, which is an abomination. Because that is only true if the first part of it is connected. And Jesus said, if you abide in my word, then you're my disciple. Then you will experience a freedom that transcends any freedom you'll experience under any nation. And that's the freedom that the church is primarily to be about. Which is the freedom of the soul, right? To be right with God and to be, as Colossians says, to be transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. That's the freedom that we are to, to herald before the nations and before our community. More than anything else, the freedom of the soul, the freedom that brings you into an eternal inheritance, right, in God's coming kingdom, right? The freedom of a nation, right, that should be way down here as a secondary priority in our work and our efforts as a church. And we have to be careful we don't blend those, right, in a healthy way. Does that make sense? Okay. It's a lot here, right? And so we'll come back to this, but um, folks, that freedom, this is the good news, right, is ultimately the freedom of the soul, the freedom, right, that only Jesus can bring. That's the gospel. That's the good news. That is our treasure. That is to what we're to be all about in people's lives. That is what the world actually will not stand for. That is what the world will push back and be hostile to. Oh, they love the last part. And even think about, even recently, how things have shifted to not just, you know, tolerance and everything, but now we're into this language, and I won't get it right, but how's it go? Um, Your truth is your truth. Uh, you You be true to your truth, you know. All this stuff that is just all over the web. It is pushed at higher education. It is the... The, the language of the day is your truth is your truth. You be true. You be you, right? You go in and your truth is your truth, right? This, there's deep darkness behind that, folks. This is, this is not some thing that's just somebody thought up, you know. This is a move that is coming into our nation, folks, under the powers over our nation in the spiritual realm. And um, that is moving, right, our nation to become hostile to the very things that have brought blessing to this nation, okay? And this is nothing new under the sun. I could take you to all through history. I could take you to almost every nation uh, that's ever existed is that power is evil. The powers over government are evil. And just a little side note here. When you think about government and its role, and I'm going to give the background to it, the spiritual background, you, we can never understand what's truly going on, the real news, without a spiritual perspective. A supernatural perspective, which is a biblical perspective. And I'm going to, as I said, just give a couple of little things to that now. But let me just say this. Once government has power, it never lets it go. Okay? Once a government gets power, it, by nature, it, there is a power bigger than just man's own pride and, and hunger for power that is going on to take and oppress people. Once a government takes power, it does not give it back. That nation moves more and more tor- towards a, 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 uh, a nation where uh, people lose more and more freedom, more and more say. And that's the history of the world, right? Until a revolution comes, and maybe we'll have a restart, right? That's the only thing that might restart things along the way. And um, uh, I don't think I have to say, it's not a political statement, it's just fact, right? 
is government is overreaching more and more. People look at um, Putin and look at Russia and say, wow, you know, it's just so terrible. He's a dictator. It's nothing new. Under the, it shouldn't shock you. If you know your history, it shouldn't shock you at all. This is nothing new under the sun. Look at what's going on in North Korea right now. They worship. He actually does what Rome did. He's at the height. He's asked, he requires his people to worship him as deity. That's in our day and age, folks, right? And Putin, right, and this is where it goes, and ultimately in the end, it's not going to be just one nation like Rome that moved towards emperor worship, right? right? And, and all this system which we're going to read about, it's called the beast. It's the world system of economics blended with a very apostate, ugly religion and that takes control of people and unites the nations ultimately um, in the end. But I just, I, I just want to make sure, just say a couple of things. That, that we look at Putin, what's going on there. Folks, don't, don't, we, we're so quick to kind of do Putin's bad Zelensky's good. No, Zelensky is not good, folks. He's under the same powers, just a different thing. So hold out. Is he a hero? Yes, look, we, we plead for those people. We want to work to help them. It's terrible what's going on. But I'm just looking at a different level here. What you don't understand, what a lot of people don't understand, is Zelensky himself has used this opportunity to grab power. He's knocked out any other voices, any other channels of news and everything else that would be against his ruling. This is what governments do. Okay, and I, I just use that as, uh, illustration to say this is nothing new under the sun. This is going on, right? And, um, and so we have to be wise in the sense of understanding what are those powers right, that are, are, are there behind all that. And we'll um, obviously dive into that as we get in um, this morning. All right, so I'm going to just dive into Revelation <clears throat> 17, and then I'm going to... Um, and I'll just make some comments uh, along the way because there's, uh, oh, there's a lot here. Um, to kind of grab hold of. All right, y'all ready? Here we go. Hold on. The word of God. Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and said to me, Come, I will show you the judgment of the great prostitute who is seated on many waters. In Revelation, the idea of many waters is many nations, tongues, languages, and people. Um, <clears throat> I will show you the judgment of the great prostitute who is seated on many waters, with whom the kings of the earth have committed sexual immorality. Uh, most of the time, Revelation obviously is talking about impurity, but the main thing there, it's talking about um, spiritual adultery. In other words, a rejection of the one true God and giving ourselves to another system. In other words, putting more of our faith in government and um, in the laws of the land than trusting in God. And that spiritual uh, adultery, which is the main sin of Israel in the Old Testament, right? Is they put their, their, uh, their faith in other uh, systems, other gods, than in the God of, of heaven. And he goes on to say, the, the kings of the earth have committed sexual immorality, and with the wine of whose sexual immorality, the dwellers on the earth have become drunk. And he carried me away in the spirit into a wilderness, and I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast that was full of blasphemous names. And it had seven heads and ten horns. And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and jewels and pearls, holding in her hand a golden cup full of abominations and purities of her sexual immorality. A horrific vision, right, that John has had here. And on her forehead was written a name of mystery, Babylon the Great, mother of prostitutes, and of earth's abominations. And I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints and the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. All right, so let me just stop there and make a couple um, comments to understand. Again, you can't understand the course of Scripture, the course of God's work throughout history, and understand the alignment of the nations and, and have a framework for understanding what's going to happen here in Revelation and where it's all going to the end until we step back into the Old Testament and understand where the nations come from in the first place. How did God order those? So let me take us on a little Old Testament uh, journey. Uh, Genesis 11 is the story of the Tower of Babel. Leading up to that, the flood had already come, and mankind had started to populate again in earth. And again, it says that they had become evil, rejecting God. They had one language at the time, and they all gathered at the plain of uh, Shinar, and they built this, um, this, t- this, uh, this uh, Tower of Babel. They were, in other words, you see all the things of, of the world there, the pride of life, right? The lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, right? A rejection of God. We're going to do it our way, right? And just a little side note, but behind every major skyscraping city in the world is the exact same spirit. Okay? The gathering of people 
to show what man can build in our pride and exalt and glory man's technology and what we've done. And there's so many deep things back to Genesis 11. God comes down. And he sees what's going on. He says, man, if we leave them, they will just, you know, uh, there'll be nothing they can't do in the sense of evil of rejecting God. And it was there at Babel, he comes down, and it says that, um, well, I'm going to take you to Deuteronomy 32. And uh, it says there, it says, when the Most High gave to the nations, right? This is back to Genesis 11, their inheritance. When he divided mankind into the nations, he fixed the borders of the people according to the number of the sons of God. But the Lord's portion is his people, Jacob, his allotted heritage, Israel. So at the Tower of Babel, God allotted different languages, different peoples, created the nations to spread out among um, the earth. And what is this part right here? It says he allotted over each of those nations the sons of God. The Hebrew there is Elohim. These are angelic beings who, if you want to write down Psalm 82, somewhere along Satan's fall, somewhere in there, they rebelled against God and they took their power and corrupted each of the, that role of, of dominating those nations. This is why throughout history, every nation moves towards corruption eventually, moves away from God's word, moves away from holiness and God's created order. Every nation there hasn't been one. I would say America is the closest to that. Look at Israel. For all the miracles, for all the law that God and blessing, what do they do? Right? You read the whole test, Old Testament. They continually are adulterers. They continually reject God and go, right, adopt the um, gods and ways of the surrounding nations. They are tempted to do that, and they fall because of this powerful spiritual war. You can go to the book of Daniel. You see the prince of Persia, right, that Daniel was praying. We, we see a real live visual of what this is talking about. You go to um, Luke 4, when Satan took Christ in uh, uh, the wilderness and tempted him. He took him up on a high place. He said, look at all the kings of the world. Just bow to me, Satan said to Jesus, and I'll give you these. Where did Satan get authority over the nations? Well, right back here. When each of the sons of God rebelled with Satan, right, to rule the nations. Now, here's something else that's important to understand. Is there was one nation. What's the next? What happens in chapter 12 of Genesis? When God does this, the next thing that God does is he calls Abraham to start a new nation. And there's only one nation that is God's. It's Israel. And he set it apart, right? Because, and he called Abraham. The only reason Israel is a nation, the only reason Israel has lasted longer than any nation in history, that's a fact, is because God called Abraham to create a nation that would be his people, that would be a line of people, that would be a voice to the world that his Messiah would come through and bring salvation, right, to the world. And there is a future for Israel. God still has a plan, right, for Israel. We've talked about that in the past. We'll get into some of that in the future um, not this morning. I just wanted to give you this lay of the land here as we look at um, Revelation 17 here. And uh, what is this, this, this prostitute, this vision that John saw um, <clears throat> was this prostitute? And that, um, the, the city of Babylon, or the mystery of Babylon, all is defining, and he defines this visually as, as a prostitute because it's the temptation of the world to follow the secular world's ways rather than God's ways that affects every nation right in the world. And again, you know, you might be saying, whoa, this is too much, you know, is again, remember, without a supernatural worldview of what's going on, you'll never understand the Bible. You'll miss the gospel completely. You'll miss life itself. But sadly, most all of us, no matter what, especially if you had higher education, you have been ingrained with a materialistic worldview. And it's time, the role of the church is to put on that biblical lens, to put on a supernatural lens on how we look at world news, right, and in life it, itself. And so... This prostitute is this world system, and what we see in Revelation is this combination of the, the, the economic system of the world merged with apostate church, with a re, apostate religious spirituality that merged together. As I said before, I think I, I can't remember if I said it here already or not, but every world leader, folks, wants to hold hands with spiritual power, religious power. They know, right? Again, this should prove to people there's something more going on here than just politics, 
Right? This is why every president wants a spiritual person praying with him. Every president wants the spiritual people to be aligned and support them as much as possible. Putin himself has got his arm locked with the Russian Orthodox Church. Any dictator, Hitler himself was into the occult. Hitler himself, you know, he wiped out the Lutheran Church, right? Part of the Lutheran Church caved into the Nazism while the confessional church stood its ground, Bonhoeffer and others, right, against that movement. And folks, those powers are going on in America right now. And there's a whole movement, right, in America that would try to drag Christianity, to try to drag the church into this very tight blending of a political agenda. Beware. Beware. God's kingdom does not merge with any political system, period. It's the kingdom of God. It is yet to come, and every nation will surrender and submit to the kingdom of God. Um, and... Uh, so I, I think this is what Revelation just fleshes out, right, for us. The beast that, uh, that, uh, that she sits upon, right, is this alignment of nations, the beast speaking of these evil nations that in the end will come together as an alignment of nations, but ultimately it speaks about the beast who is also defined as the Antichrist. Now, when John wrote this, historically Rome was the power who was persecuting the church, was the strong arm, and they all talked about Rome as the beast and talked to the emperor as the beast, as the antichrist. And as I I think I said earlier, is when John's writing this to the churches in Asia, modern-day Turkey, is that um, at that time, about 90 AD, is when the emperor, um, that Rome moved towards where it became emperor worship, where you as a Roman citizen were not only now, right, to, to uh, you know, uphold the Senate, uh, the Roman Senate and the Pax Romana and everything like this, but now you were called to actually go into the temple and take a little incense and give worship, adoration to the emperor. And uh, folks, that is the exact movement that we'll see again, and we're going to, the rest of this chapter will show how this um, comes about, this alignment. That's the beast, and then we're going to talk about here, the next verses talk about this, um, the ten horns, <clears throat> or, um, and the, uh, uh, the seven horns, and uh, it, 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 that's speaking about these kings and the nations that are aligned and will be aligned in the end. So let me um, dive in here, verse 7. But the angel said to me, why do you marvel? Um, I will tell you the mystery of the woman. And I think that's just kind of funny, you know, um, like the angel saying, why do you marvel at that? I'm like, why wouldn't I marvel? You know, it's like overwhelming. Um, another interesting thing, this word for marvel can also mean adore and worship. So it could be that it's so evil in one sense, but so alluring in another. Remember, the Antichrist and this beast, with this, John's using graphic because these are evil, blasphemy, all these things. But the system is going to be incredible. It's going to be, as Jesus said, it will be so deceptive, it will even deceive the elect, right? And so some think that John was marveling because he was almost being tempted by it, like, wow, that looks pretty good, actually, right? Because remember, this world leader is going to bring peace. He's going to align the nations. He's going to bring peace to the world. This world leader is going to bring peace to the Middle East. He's going to sign a covenant, right? He's going to look amazing, He's going to be slick, and he's going to absolutely be the main promoter of religious freedom. Except it's going to turn, just like it did in Rome, to, right, to become worship of him right, and his system. And uh, there will be one uh, uh, main group that does not bow, and that's going to be the church. It's going to be those who follow Christ and his kingdom and will not give allegiance to any other world system um, or political system or nation, right, for that matter. So when I saw her, I marveled greatly, but the angel said to me, Why do you marvel? I'll tell you the mystery of the woman and of the beast with the seven heads and the ten horns that carries her. The beast that you saw was and is and is not and is about to rise from um, the bottomless pit. And we'll get more into that here when we get into chapter 19. Um, But... uh, there's All I give you is go to Daniel chapter 2, Daniel chapter... Seven, and you'll see the background of this, of the nations, that um, everything we see in Daniel from uh, Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, then Rome. And, it, and what we're going to read about here is there'll be another kingdom like Rome that will rise, and the Antichrist will come. 
Right? So that in this end time system will look, it will be based on the Roman system. It will be a beast far greater than Rome, for it will bring the world together against the kingdom of God. And next week in chapter 18, we'll, we'll get into more specifics about that last kingdom of Babylon. It says, The beast that you saw was and is not and is about to rise from the bottomless pit and go to destruction. And the dwellers on earth whose names have not been written in the book of life from the foundation of the world were marveled to see the beast because it was, it is not, and it is to come. There'll be, we saw earlier that somehow this Antichrist, this world leader, will have a, like a death experience and then will, will, will model Christ's resurrection and a coming back to life, whether it's his own life that something happens to him or whether it's a, a nation, this reappearing of, of, of ancient Rome or something. We don't, we don't really know the details of that, but it will cause people to wonder. This calls for a mind with wisdom. All right? The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman is seated. What great city is famously known for being upon seven hills? Rome. That's right. So, so John is making a clear statement. Watch out. It's not the ancient Rome, but it's going to be something that is Roman in nature. Um, just a little fun thing to think about. What nation is built on Rome and like Rome itself? I'll leave that with you until next week. We'll talk. Um, the seven mountains on which the woman is seated, they are also seven kings, five of whom have fallen. One is. The other has not yet come. Now he's, he's pulling from the book of Daniel here completely, right? You cannot understand the book of Revelation unless you understand the Old Testament. Anybody, that's why I say, man, if you've grown up under the Left Behind series and all that stuff, I just say set that aside as good fiction, Right, But you need to get, understand what the Revelation says, not by some of man's great schemes of rapture and this and that. That's kind of creative stuff. And some of that might be accurate, but the bottom line is you will never understand this until God's people are deeply in the Word of God, in the Old Testament, asking God to give them revelation and understanding of what God is doing. Every bit of the book of Revelation is fleshed out from things and prophecies already in the Old Testament. Right, And so we just have to bring it all to bear. And so uh, when he does come, he must remain a little while. As for the beast that was and is not, it is an eighth, but it must, now speaking about the Antichrist that will come, but it belongs to the seven and it goes to destruction, all right? So it will be in line of this whole movement, right, that will be in the end, right? Um, they are to receive power. The ten, king, the ten horns that you saw are ten kings who have not yet received. So here you have a ten-nation alignment. They're going to give their power to this Antichrist. So just kind of hold on to that. It's interesting, isn't it? Who've not received royal power, but they um, are to receive authority as kings for one hour together with the beast. These are of one mind, and they hand over their power and their authority to the beast. They will make war on the Lamb, on Jesus, and on the Lamb will conquer them. We'll get to that in chapter 19, which is awesome. It is no battle. When Jesus shows up, it's over. Right? Um, it's just over. For he is the Lord of lords. He's the king of kings. And those with him are called the chosen and the faithful. And folks, the point of all this is, boy, do you have the assurance that you are the chosen, that you are the faithful, that you know Jesus. It's not by any religious work. It's simply by the gracious act of God, by faith, to receive Jesus as your king, as your Lord. The one who you'll give all your allegiance to believing on his kingdom is coming, that he's going to do exactly what he says to do and unite all things on heaven and earth ultimately um, together and bring all the nations of the world and bring judgment upon the evil that we see in the world that's been throughout history once and for all and bring us back to an Eden uh, experience, but even better than the Garden of Eden because it will be eternal and it will be blessed and populated with all of God's children. And the angel said to me, the waters, verse 15, that you saw where the prostitute is seated are peoples and multitudes and nations and languages and, and the ten horns that you saw, they and the beast will hate the prostitute. They will make her desolate and naked and devour her flesh, burn her up with fire for God has put it into their hearts to carry out his purpose um, by being one Mind and handing over their royal power to the beast until the words of God are fulfilled. And the woman that you saw is the great city that has dominion 
over the kings of the earth. We'll talk about the great city Babylon, what that might look like now and into the future next week in chapter 18. But what's important here to understand is this movement, as the beast comes into power and control, he's going to bring the alignment of nations uh, together. He's slowly going to take more and more power. Folks, this has been seen throughout the history of the world. Putin, I go down a list of things. The guy, you know, in North Korea, it's, it's power, right? Is there is other spiritual powers at B, and power never lets go. Governmental power never gives. Matter of fact, nowhere in history do we have a government giving power back to the people outside of a revolution. Never. Once they have it, right, there's powers at B that use it, right, for destructive purposes, right? And uh, so what this shows is the beast himself will come and he'll make war on the prostitute. He'll make war on the economic system and on the, this blending of the, of the apostate church and the economic system. And he's basically, it, what he's doing here is just like in Rome, he's going to make himself the king. He's going to make and, and call for full allegiance. And we saw earlier, not only have the beast, the antichrist, but you have the false prophet, which is his right-hand guy that is going to be used primarily to bring people to give adoration and commitment and submission to this leader. And, and the one who's empowered them all, right, is Satan himself, ultimately, to bring about this nation's to war against the kingdom of God. And um, so... And that's a lot to throw out there, obviously. So, um, and there's plenty to, to talk about. I, I, where I want to bring this is kind of back to what I started with was um, getting this idea of, of world news, wisdom and world news. The, the, the word that I hope you'll hold on to is if you know Jesus, you have the real news. You have the whole news. It is there. It is, it is God will reveal it, right? It is in his word. You, we're... Those who know Christ have a full advantage over the smartest people in the entire world because we know the one who's in control of history. I want that to sink in. If you know Jesus, you have an advantage over the smartest politicians in the world because you know the king of kings. You know the one who has ultimate control of all the nations and where things are going. It's just a matter of, is his church, are we going to be a prophetic people, a people who long to hear from God, who long to get our news feed primarily from His Word rather than from the world. And again, I think in this whole thing, is it should bring me to really wrestle with, wow, do I have that kind of allegiance? Do I know Christ? Do I know Jesus' great sacrifice for me? When, it's all, when all shakes down, where am I going to stand? Am I going to stand with Him, with Christ? Right? Or, or, or am I going to be pulled in right, to, to the world? Do you know him? Do you know him? Right? And the other piece of this is in this day and age, what's needed for the church right, is to be primarily focused on our purity. Jesus is coming back for his bride that he desires to be pure, prepared, ready for him. And that's the, the need of the hour. Are we ready for his return? He says he comes like a thief in the night. He says, get ready. Have your oil in your lamp. Right? And uh, when I come, will I find faith? Will I find my church ready, vibrant, full of faith, gathering? This is Hebrews 10 says, do not forsake gathering together, especially as you see the day coming, especially as we move further, right, in history. The church, we should be focused on the virtue of the church. This is what Jesus is primarily concerned about, not politics, not governments. He's concerned about the, his people. Are they holy? Are they ready for me? So we have to make sure that's our priority rather than speaking out and being so concerned about the lack of virtue in our secular culture today is we have to be focused, right? We're his people. Are we ready? And not only then are we going to be able to actually have a powerful voice right into our culture is when we, right, are a people ready, a people who are committed, a people who are in love with God and the people who are willing to love Jesus and lay our life down like he did as a witness, right, for his glory in this world, no matter what comes, right, our way, is that's what he's called us to, right? At the same time, as citizens of this nation, I mean, we're to be very involved out there, working good, politics, the whole thing, yes, but oh, beware. Don't let that be the tip of the spear, right? Let the kingdom of God be Right, the priority of what's of what's going on. So um, 
Gang, y'all come on up, if you would, and um, lead us in this last song. We're going to come to the table and let Brian lead us in a, just some ministry time. Let me just pray for us. As I said, boy, if, uh, if that didn't spark some questions you know, or some dialogue, I don't know what will. Um, feel free to join us. And folks, please don't, please dive in. Continue the conversation. Continue the study. We'd love to journey with you on this with each other. We need to. So, Father, I just thank you for your word. Lord, what a joy. And, uh, Father, I just pray that you would um, enlarge our hearts for your kingdom, Lord, your truth. Set us afire, God, with your Holy Spirit. Make us hungry, God, for truth, for your word, Lord. Revive your church in this day, Lord. What America needs more than anything is a revived, healthy church. Lord, may we be faithful with that task, God. Father, Holy Spirit, I pray you just move in this time, Lord. Encourage our hearts, God. Let us encourage each other and minister each other as we hear you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome, Steve. Thank you for that message. We get a stir in this morning. Before we, uh, before we come to the table, guys, this, this, this minister to one another. It's what the Lord has called us to do. We're, we're here together, gathered together in his name is to minister to one another. And so I'm going to call on a couple of people just to, to give us a, a word, a prophetic word this morning and encourage us. Um, you know, as I was preparing this morning, the Lord put on my heart uh, in John 16, verse 33. And what it says, I mean, it's... To, beautifully ties in with this message I think is that what it says is the Lord says hey I I tell you these things I give you these things so that you will have peace you will find peace in me and he said in in this world you will will have tribulation you will have sorrows you will have trials uh, because you are representing me and he, he said but take heart have joy you know take heart have joy rejoice that I have overcome world. Amen. The Lord says, I am victorious. And I think it's a lot of times we hear messages like this, we think of end times, we think it's almost a heavy message, you know, in, in a sense. But but if we've got our eyes on upon him, he's saying, take joy because I have overcome. I've overcome the world and you're, you are my witnesses. Now go and share this. And, I, and in this message, I feel like he said, he said, look, lay down your news feeds and pick up my news feed. We, we tout all these different apps and social media platforms, but he said, you're the best app ever created. You're the best social media platform ever created by the Lord of Lords. And he said, I want you to go and share my good news, right? And that because of that, you will be persecuted. You will face trials, right? But he said, take heart. I've overcome these things. I've overcome this, the world. I've, I've put my joy within you to share this gospel, this good news. So... Man, I hope that encourages us this, this morning as we look at this, is that realizing that we have a role in all this that, that Steve has, has shared with us this morning. We have a role in all of this. The Lord has said, hey, I, I've called you out. I've called you to be mine, to, to be my witnesses, right? Matthew 28, go and share the gospel to all nations, okay? So, man, just, let's, let's be encouraged by this. And um, Michelle, would you share? I know you, you have something over here. I love that Steve at the end there mentioned um, the Bride of Christ, which is the church. And if you want to read ahead to Revelation 19, um, it's good news. We, we get into into the victory of the story. But um, I don't know if you're like me, but when I go to weddings, not only do I want to make sure I have a good view of the bride when she's walking down the aisle, but I also turn and I want to catch a glimpse of the groom. And most grooms, the moment that bride appears, his eyes are locked and loaded on her. He is so excited because the moment has finally come. And with few exceptions, that bride has spent probably the last six months getting ready for this day, right? This big day. I mean, she has 
covered all the bases. She's made sure she has on the best dress, that her hair looks the best it has ever looked. She has brought in professional makeup and hair people. And it's, it's the moment she's been waiting for. And remember, we as the church, we are the bride of Christ. When that day comes, our groom is going to be locked and loaded on us. And there won't be any wedding crashers. That's good. That's good. Neil, have you got something for us this morning? I just want to say, I, I didn't know Brian was going to ask if I had something, but um, we're in a transition in our life right now. And just what an encouragement uh, Crossroads Aspen has been to us. And um, Down Valley, as it extended to Crossroads Glenwood, and the life that has been spoken into us by this church, by the believers here, the camaraderie and the community that we have is unbelievable. So I would just kind of piggyback on what Steve had encouraged and Brian. Dive in deeper, get in deeper to community. This is the body of Christ. He left, but he left his body here, and that's us. So dive in, get deep. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet it's not I that live anymore, but it's Christ that lives in me. And the life that I now live in this flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Amen. Hey, as we come to the table now, guys, this is a celebration, right? We come to this table to partake of what Christ has done for us. He says, hey, take this in remembrance of me, these elements at the table. So as we come together as a community, right? As we come together as a body of Christ, let's come together and, and rejoice and celebrate what he has done, the sacrifice, the ultimate sacrifice and price that he has paid to, to set us free, to call us his own, the bride of Christ, his children. Amen. So, Lord, uh, we praise you, Lord. We thank you for this morning, God. Thank you for your word, your truth, Lord. It truly, truly does set us free, Lord. And Lord, thank you for sharing your, your truth with us, Lord, for, for bringing us revelation, Lord, for awakening our, our, our hearts and stimulating our minds, Lord. Just, just Lord, drawing us near to you, Lord, and, and sharing your love with us in such a way, uh, Lord. And uh, turn us, Lord, I do pray over us today that we would lay down every news feed. Lord, let us lay it down. Convict us, Lord, to lay it down and to pick up your news feed, Lord God, to, to share your gospel, Lord, the truth. And, and, and Lord, just to, to honor you, to glorify you, Lord. This morning, we just we rejoice in you. We lift up your mighty name. Thank you for listening to this message. To hear other messages or learn more about Crossroads Church, visit our website at ccaspen.com.